Welcome in, everybody, to the West Side Sports Podcast. It has been a hot, hot country minute since I hopped on the old microphone. Apologies again for if the audio quality sounds a little bit different. I am in the course of a uh, solid and substantial move right now. Uh, if you guys don't know who's talking in, into the microphone, as always, I am your host, Dakota Esri. Welcome into today's podcast. It has been, again, way too long since I hopped on the old mic. Apologies if the audio stuff is a little bit off. I am legitimately holding my mic trying to get you guys some content today. Um, I know as I always ask and I always remind you guys, if you enjoy the podcast, please do me a giant favor, subscribe and leave a rating. If you're on Apple Podcasts, you can read me a, leave me a written review. If you're on Spotify or any other various podcast platforms, uh, just leave me a star review rating, and if you want to holler at me on Twitter, you can find me capital P N W Professor. You can find me there. Today's podcast is going to be a summary of everything that I've seen in the in the beginning course of our Mariners season, as well as the fact that uh, we have draft this week. We have the actual the NFL 2023 NFL draft is finally ahead of us. It is here. With that being said, let's hop straight into it. The one thing I usually do in around the world section, and I'll be honest, this has no planning. This is no prep work ahead of time. This is straight from the fly of my pants, pretty much. So apologies if we're going to have a little bit of a choppiness here, but I'm trying to get some technical stuff worked out here in the kinks in the time being. But here is what needs to be understood. Uh, the Seattle Mariners are playing inconsistent baseball. We all know that. For those of you who have been watching, obviously it speaks for itself, but like I said earlier, apologies for me being all over the place. I usually do a lot more prep with these kind of podcasts, but today's just kind of throwing some content out for you guys. Might be around a 15-ish minute video today. We'll see how far we get. Brian Reynolds signing the big deal uh, in, in Pittsburgh. It's a huge day for Pittsburgh Pirates fans. They rejoice to keeping their hometown homegrown kid uh, with that organization. If I'm Brian Reynolds, to be honest with you, I don't see the point in signing this contract. Pittsburgh is off to a really good start. I believe they're 16 and seven to start the season. They extended their uh, their their coach uh, about I don't know 12 games in end of the season. It's a sign of good faith from the organization up, up above. Uh, losing O'Neill Cruz with with a fractured ankle is a huge loss for them. But they continue to fight back. They have a lot of really good scrappy young kids that I enjoy a lot to watch. Uh, Mitch Keller, a kind of a pitching project that was in with the Royals for a handful of years. And they really kind of reclaimed himself back to his normal, uh, his well, what he used to be, which is heavy, heavy sinker, heavy run. Uh, long, long story short, Pittsburgh's playing really good ball, and I'm glad to see that. Number two, uh, finally we get to talk and have this stupid, stupid conversation. It can be over with with talking about one Aaron freaking ayahuasca druggy Rogers. Um, I've spoken at nauseum at length about how I feel about the situation. The trade value in return is very interesting. Obviously, uh, there's multiple first-round picks. First-round pick compensation being switched in the first, and then the 2023 draft. Uh, Second-round pick that's going to Green Bay can become a first if Aaron plays more than 65%, which obviously they have every intention of doing. But if I'm looking at the Jets, at the surface, just the surface of this uh, you know, breaking news or top headline, this is a good day for Jets fans. Jets fans rejoice. They haven't had a legit quarterback in years. Um, Zach Wilson is too busy being a homewrecker with certain people's moms, and he is throwing touchdowns on the football field and being an inadequate leader as well in the locker room. Uh, nobody has ever respected him. No one ever followed him, blah, blah, blah. They have plenty of good players. Obviously, they uh, drafted wide receiver Garrett Wilson last season. Uh, they signed Alan Lazard in free agency. 
Uh, they've got uh, Brees Hall coming back off the ACL tear. He looks like he's ready to rip, roar, and go. So they have plenty of weapons. The defense is going to be stout. Obviously, Sauce Gardner, stuff like that. Quinnen Williams. I think Quinnen Williams is holding out for a deal. But we'll get into that conversation at a, at a different podcast. But the ultimate topic right now about the Jets is, does, is the value, is the compensation for getting Rodgers fair? Do they overpay? Do they underpay? Is it just about right? I think it's pretty close to the values, pretty much spot on. It's a first next. It's a first this year, which the picks are swapped. Next year, it's a first round pick and a second round pick. Now, the second round pick, like I said, can can become a first. It just all varies upon how much he plays. Uh, the offensive line, if I'm the Jets, I've got to get a tackle. I've got to get a right side tackle to help Mikai Becton, uh, who is our uh, Pro Bowl le- left tackle. Really, really talented. They had Dwayne Brown over there, but Dwayne Brown, I believe, is... I think he's going to play one one more year, but I wouldn't expect that to be the answer at all for right tackle for the New York football gangrene Jets. Uh, so we've talked about Brian Reynolds. We've talked about Aaron Rodgers. Bear with me here. I'm just kind of checking Bleacher Report to see if there's anything else I've missed on the breaking regimen here. Um, lots of people are talking about the uncertainty within the draft. Uh, Brian Reynolds. Uh, so it looks like I've pretty much covered all the big things. Uh, the last thing about Aaron Rodgers is the Jets uh, converted his annual salary into a signing bonus, which created $43.7 million in cap space, uh, which is going to allow them, obviously, to address some more holes on their roster and fill the team as needed. Okay, let's just get straight to the the elephant in the room. Everybody is wondering why Tommy LaStella and Chris Flexen are on the roster. And that's a good question, and I wish I had a, a decent answer. I really do. Because here's the, here's the circumstance of where we're at. Chris Flexen is not a major league quality or a major league average, excuse me, pitcher right now. His stuff is below average. His location, his control is be, is below average. His stuff doesn't have much of any tail to it. Flexen looks bad. He doesn't look good. I take no pleasure in saying that, obviously. But the facts are the facts, ladies and gentlemen. Chris Flexen's not good right now. And there's no reason why you should try and find any kind of just justifying him to keep him on this roster right now. DFA him. No one's going to pick him up because you can find other players that are better than him right now. Tommy Malone is better than him right now. Rich Hill, better than him right now. There's fringe guys that are barely major league quality are better than Chris Flexen, which speaks more about um, the downside because at the beginning of the end of spring training, I'm on record saying that Chris Flexen should have the last starting role and that Marco should have been bullpen, but we all know Marco's stuff doesn't translate to to the bullpen. We've heard it from Scott. We've heard it from Angie. We've heard it from Shannon. We've heard it from Jeff Passan. We've heard it from everybody that the stuff just doesn't work at the bullpen. So you look at him, uh, being him, being Chris Flexen, excuse me, you have a plethora of options that you can go to. You can go back to Tommy Malone, like I referenced. You still have Justice Sheffield, which I'm not real big on. You have Prelander Baroa. You have Bryce Miller. You have Brian Wu. You have T- Taylor Dollard, Emerson Hancock. The list goes on, right? Those are all your in-house candidate fill-in options because they're not going to trade for somebody. I need to just make that abundantly clear for everybody who's like, why don't they just go out and get a starting pitcher? Because, and I'm going to make this abundantly clear for those who do not listen to to Jeff Passan, which I would highly recommend you do so. We are 20-ish games into the MLB season out of 162, right? So you are like 10% through the through the season. Jeff Passan has iterated very well, very clearly, very eloquently, I will say, 
nobody is going to sell their players off until they get a month before the trade deadline. We had an emergency situation, excuse me, with Ty France. Because Ty France got hurt, we didn't have a backup plan at first base. Hence, the Carlos Santana. And obviously, we would all like to have Carlos Santana. I'm going to get to that here in a minute when we finish with the whole flexing thing. There's no reason for Chris Flexen to travel with his team on this road trip. No reason for Diego Castillo to, to, to travel. No reason for Tommy, for Cooper Hummel. Bring up Mike Ford. Bring up Cade Marlowe. Bring up, uh, I don't think Taylor, Taylor Trammell is ready yet. He's about eight games into his rehab, but he was slotted for a 20-game rehab session. So we kind of need to be patient with that because the value of Trammell could be really, really big, especially with, obviously, our inability to hit at the DH position. Chris Flexen. Much love, man. You've been an absolute stalwart for our team. You were our best starting pitcher for a handful of years. You were a rock in our in our rotation. But the time has come where your stuff is just not what it used to be. I know he's got $8 million, stuff like that. They'll find some way to eat some of that money to get some of it back. But you need a DFA Chris Flexen. You can find better options. Tommy Malone will give you a, a more realistic chance to win the ball game right now than Chris Flexen does. And I have no pleasure. I take no pleasure or pride in saying that. Okay. So we meant, we referenced talking about the designated hitter position, obviously. The Cooper Hummel. The Tommy LaStella. Uh, the just... Uh, Tom Murphy. Tom Murphy's like bad too. The whole DH position has been an absolute train wreck, right? And we've all been saying it since since the off season. And we were watching Josh Bell and Brandon uh, Belt, and the list goes on of players. JD Martinez, I talked a bunch about. The list goes on of players that they would, would like to have. That's a given, right? The totally, I understand the frustration, and I'm right there with it too. I'm a fan. I try to be as analytical as possible. I try and look at things with, with with a different lens because being a fanatic really doesn't give you the whole picture of what you're looking at, I guess. But the the problem of where we're sitting at in our situation is that Tommy LaStella has no reason to be on this team. And the reason why they're keeping him on this roster right now is because they don't have a better option in the minor leagues to bring him up. People are going to say, well, what about, like I said, Taylor Trammell? What about Cade Marlowe? Jacob Nottingham's hitting the ball really well. How about Brian O'Keefe? Uh, Mike Ford hit a grand slam, had eight RBIs a couple days ago in, in AAA. Grand, it's 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 AAA, right? He looked, Mike Ford looked pretty decent on those swings. I will say, you just don't really have a MLB ready bat, and that's my only question, Jerry. Is what 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 was the precipice? What was the thinking? What was the process to say we're going to rely on Tommy Lastella? who hardly played at all last year, who was injury-ridden, had a worse season of his career, like a six-something hundred OPS. It was bad, right? Jesse Winker-esque. Um, so you have him. You had Cooper Hummel, who's had a cup of coffee in the major league level. He's not an MLB-ready bat. And then you're looking at guys, um, Tom Murphy, we thought, could possibly return or hopefully return back to some of what he used to be because last season, before he got hurt, he was hitting literally 300. He was slugging. A, he had WRC plus. Granted, I think it was like a 12 or 13 game um, total amount there to kind of get uh, the overall stats from. But the the numbers were good. But Tom Murphy's looked just awful. His timing at the plate is bad. His mechanics are bad. He doesn't look comfortable inside the box. And you just have to keep it patient with Tom Murphy, which sucks because that's a ro- valuable roster spot. But he, if he can figure out, which I believe he will. He is a legitimate starting catcher for half the teams in Major League Baseball right now. So you got to keep him along the roster. 
those are the main the main things with with the Mariners. Uh, obviously, Jared Kelnick is annihilating baseballs. I need to eat about three hundred thousand pounds of crow with feathers when it comes to Jared Kelnick because I was very blatant. I was very pointed. I did not mess around. I didn't beat around the bush. I said I'm tired and sick and tired of this crap about why we're praising Jared Kelnick to be something that he's not going to be. Well, I was blatantly wrong, and I have no problem saying that I was wrong, right? Jared Kelnick is the best hitter on our team right now. He has a, he is tied for the second most home runs in the American League. He's hitting over 300. His uh, F-War is already over one win, which is in top five echelon in all of baseball right now. And you're saying this without Julio Rodriguez really hitting it, all, the ball overly consistently. Ty France had a god-awful series um, in our last years against the Cardinals. We look to bounce back today. Um, I apologies. Let me see here real quick if I can get the pitching probables. Cause I know they just changed the starting pitching lineup. Uh, par- just, uh, pardon me. Just have some patience with me real quick here. Uh, 3.40 today. We will have Marco Gonzalez versus B. Falter. I have no idea who this guy is. Uh, 0-3 on the record for the for the Phillies pitcher. 4.50 ERA. This would be at Citizens Bank Ballpark. It uh, looks like, and of course, 80% of the bets are for Philadelphia in this game. Color me surprised. <laughs> okay, uh, so we're covering over, over that. Today's p- p- pitching probables. Let's get into the Seahawks draft. Um, I'm going to talk about the Kraken here at the very end of the podcast like I usually do. Apologies, it's just my, my usual order. I try to just keep to my routine. So... The Seattle Seahawks are number five and number 20. We've all known this for months on end. Once the end of the season finished up and we knew we were going to be picking at these picks, um, we kind of had to figure out, well, what, what are we looking for? What do we need? Obviously, we need edge. We need defensive tackle. Um, a lot of people say quarterback. I need. I say wide receiver is just as important as, as a quarterback right now. We haven't had a slot receiver in years since um, Golden Tate and like Percy Harvin and uh, Paul Richardson, those those, those kind of days. But it's been a hot minute since we drafted anybody who was worth a single damn at the slot uh, wide receiver position. There's a ton that I like. We'll get into that probably in a different podcast. I might try and toss up on a one recording per day this week. If you guys like this, uh, please reach out to me on my Twitter. I'm asking people just specifically specifically Twitter because Twitter is a lot easier on my phone to get not- the notifications and all that garbage capital only for the PNW and then for the professor part is a capital P so capital PNWP and then the rest is uh, the rest of pr- professor is in lowercase apologies for any kind of confusion it was just something that I made and I'm rolling with anyways because a lot of people are going to have a lot of questions about draft what do I want players positions stuff like that i'll get it more into that in like twitter and another podcast this week but what i will say is the positions that i'm looking for the most it's got to be defensive tackle edge rusher uh linebacker depth i would really like a corner and then possibly a safety like safety slash wideout i know i talked a lot about how important a slot wideout is in the system like, Marquise Goodwin was really valuable, just couldn't stay healthy, unfortunately. That's just, you know, a circumstance of his body and his age and his overall wear and tear. But I love the prospect of, J- J- of Jalen Carter. I hate his off-field stuff. I think he's 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 obviously the reason why our Seattle Seahawks fans are so scared of Jalen Carter is because of Malik McDowell all over again. We don't want that garbage. Nobody does. But the circumstance of our situation is that we pick at number five and we have the ability to get a blue-collar chip prospect. 
I've went back and forth. Do I want Anthony Richardson? What if C.J. Stroud were, were to fall? What if Will Will Anderson? Um, some people have asked, well, why don't you like Will Will Levis? Will Levis, to me, this is not even a conversation. You spit Will Levis's mouth, like name right of your mouth at number five. I don't even want to talk about that garbage. He's not a first-round pick quarterback. I could see him falling into day two, possibly. The end of round one, early day two, maybe mid-round day two, possibly, or round two, excuse me. But I'm going to be doing round coverage and doing pick-by-pick pick breakdowns, comparisons, NFL comps, all that stuff. It's going to be a ton of pro- a ton of good quality content. Uh, tune in for that stuff when it gets to it. My number one prospect that I think that I want the most is Will Anderson. I think Will Anderson just makes the most sense. We've always needed a, a Khalil Mack. We've needed a Joey Bosa, an Eric Armstead, a DeForest Buckner. Um, the list goes on of quality pass rushers, right? But that's what it comes down to with where we're at is we need a dynamic edge rusher. We just haven't had one since the days of Chris Cle- of Chris Clemens, Cliff Averill, and Michael Bennett. That's the circumstance of, of our situation. Again, I keep going back to, the, to, to that phrase and to, to that statement, but that's the God's honest truth. That's what this comes down to. Seattle has apparent needs. What I would be dis would I be disappointed if they dropped their quarterback at five? Hell no. Hell no. You want to know why? Because F- John Snyder is phenomenal at evaluating quarterbacks there's i don't know how many hundreds and thousands of reports i've seen this is a legitimate thing john snyder wanted josh allen and patrick mahomes he wanted one of those two but they knew they couldn't get it because russell wilson was going to throw a crybaby fit it was going to cause dissension within the locker room blah 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 and obviously hindsight we should have done that deal um there was a deal about back in the past from a legit, credible uh, NFL source. I will not give my source. Um, I just, I do I do my research and my homework. There was a deal with, with Philadelphia that included Jalen Hurts a couple seasons ago. And the fact that we could have had Jalen Hurts just haunts my dreams because I love everything about Jalen Hurts. I love his moxie and all that stuff. But anyways, we're not going to get into that wormhole. Okay. This is about the draft, about Seattle's needs, right? At wide receiver, like I said, I really like Will Anderson. Jalen Carter is such a physical freak. He reminds me so much of Jeffrey Simmons and Chris Jones. And I've heard every single person that's been brought on between Bump and Stacy, Brock and Salk. I'm not much on the evening show just because I don't tune in for that show very often just based on my listening schedule. But what I can tell you is that every person, including Charles Davis from the NFL Network and Fox yesterday hopped on CBS, said flat out, Jalen Carter is the best prospect in this draft. And I know that we need defensive tackle help. With Al Woods getting older, with Brandon, uh, not Brandon Meebane, excuse me. God bless you, Brandon Meebane. You're a great player. Um, like I said, Al Woods and Shelby Harris and Quentin Jefferson and Puna Ford and like, oh, these guys are gone. All as you call her, gone. Like, you have the only de- a defensive tackle on this roster is Brian Monet, who's recovering off of a full ACL plus injury. And I doubt he's, he's even going to play this year, right? So you desperately need defensive tackles. Those tackles, uh, a couple names I've heard a bunch of is Mozzie Smith out of Michigan. We've heard uh, a bit about uh, Siaki Ika or Apu, as Brock uh, Heward likes to call him, from Baylor. Uh, he's a really, really big dude. There's, I mean, there's a handful of guys, right? Keontu, Keanu Benton is probably my favorite name there right now at Wisconsin. You probably get him 
mid-second round, probably the dude's rising, but he's a legitimate, like, if you don't go Jalen Carter and you were to go a Will Anderson or you go a quarterback at five and you nag, let's say, or snag a, I like Jackson Smith and Jigba at 20. I'd be okay with it. I like, um, Zay Flowers if he even gets there from Boston College. I know a lot of people are really hesitant on Zay Flowers because they're like, there's never been a wide receiver that was worth half a damn coming out of Boston College ever. The only player in my lifetime that I remember being good out of Boston College is Matt Hasselbeck. So just just putting that out there. But look, we'll get more into draft conversation as we get closer and closer towards the draft. Granted, I know it's two days away, so we have a ton of content to, to cover. But you have defensive line, edge, quarterback, wide receiver, linebacker, safety. The reason why I talk about safety, and I'm going to finish up my this conversation on draft of safety, and then we're going to transfer to Kraken real quick, and then we're going to hop out for, for today. Um, the elephant in this room, or the elephant in the conversation of the Seattle Seahawks right now, it's Jamal Adams. What do you do with Jamal Adams? And if I'm Jamal Adams, there's a reason why he is hustling his you-know-what off to get back to that field because he realizes that this team could draft a safety and he's gone next year. His cap hit is significantly easier to swallow next year than it was this year. It wasn't really that feasible. Some people say you could still do it this year. You could uh, do it a post-June designation cut. Um, that changes the amount of salary that comes off the books and the amount of money they have to eat for the organization to release the said player. But the need is apparent. Losing Ryan Neal hurts. It sucks. I would have rather my my myself personally, and I think most Seahawks fans would probably agree with me. There's a few that probably will disagree because of Jamal Adams' physical ability on the field, which can never be taken away or you know slighted. I wanted Ryan Neal and Quandre Diggs on the field more than I wanted Jamal Adams, and especially when they went out and got Julian Love, which I think is going to be a phenomenal phenomenal signing the guy is going to be our signal caller on defense he's going to relieve a lot of pressure off Jordan Brooks and then getting Bobby back we'll get into this whole defensive construction especially after like round one and two of the draft we'll have a much much better idea of what they're looking at roster wise and roster build construction but safety is going to be something that they look for there's a handful of players I like the guy uh, Skinner out of Boise State he's a big thumping athletic safety which kind of scares me in a sense because that's what they tried to find with Delano Hill. And then it was Delano Hill, whatever his name is, BRB, you know, Tutalu, TBD. He never worked out. Um, yeah, I know. I slid a little hungover, or not hungover, excuse me, the hangover saying I am well out of podcasting shape, so I apologize for that. But there's a bunch of players in there that you're going to be looking at at the safety position. So just something to, to keep an eye on. And then Kraken, a phenomenal win last night. Overtime when uh, Jordan Eberle, he's kind of like the hometown kid. A lot of people think it's Brandon Tanev or somebody else like that. That was a phenomenal game to watch last night. I'm glad that dirty-ass player from Colorado got suspended for a game. He should have been capped for two. I don't know anything with how suspensions work in, uh, in, in the NHL. I don't jack diddly squat. But what I can tell you is that was dirty uh, that player that he hit, apologies, I don't have the name off the top of my head right now. I'm trying to figure out all this other draft stuff right now, so bear with me. He's not going to play in the inside of the, the next game. So that's the least you can do is take the player out of the game that took the other player out of the game as a corresponding move. But that's something we're going to keep an eye on. Fantastic win last night. 
Great team playing. Great, or I like what Dave Haxall has been doing inside the line work. The skating has been a little, a little bit cleaner. The power play is still a hot mess and everything. But uh, valuable day off today. Mariners are back on on the script today. We got a lot going on inside the in, in the Seattle sports scene. I'm gonna be diving deep into Twitter and Bleacher Report and ESPN. Uh, Brady Henderson of ESPN, uh, uh, aka the Hitman Henderson. He's going to be releasing at 1 o'clock our time his uh, official draft thing or his his draft picks at 5 and 20, which I'll be really curious on because Brady is really well-spoken. He does a lot of research. So I'll be keeping an eye on to that. But until the time being, ladies and gentlemen, that's going to be today's podcast. Again, apologies, apologies for the for the downtime in between the podcast. I've just been – I moved. I am back up here in the Sketch Valley with my family. And the place where I uh, – it is home for me. So with that being said, thank you so much for your guys' patience. I hope you guys enjoyed today's podcast. Again, I don't know how good this au- the audio quality will be than what it usually is. I'm in a different room. It's about the same size of a room, but we'll be curious to see how, that, how this works out. You guys have a fantastic, uh, fantastic Tuesday. And maybe you get some luckies and get some Taco Tuesday. And just enjoy your friends and family and everyone that you love. And uh, just have a cherished and blessed day. And I will be talking to you guys tomorrow. Peace.